You are listening to the Fancy Free Podcast, where my guests and I tell our most embarrassing, funny stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfections and forge connection through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett, and I'm your host. And today I have with me a new girlfriend, Miranda Bennett. Miranda is a blogger and the queen of mediocreness. <laughs> she wants to focus on building a community of women who are real, raw, funny, and true to themselves. She says we want to laugh, learn, and grow and forget all the filters. Oh, and she added a store so you can buy her journals. She's just saying. So hi, Miranda. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Well, I am so glad that you're excited to be here. Listeners, I found out about Miranda when she interviewed on Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast with Shelly Knight. You have heard Shelly on this show twice, and I've actually also appeared on her show, and I will pop the link to that in the show notes as well as the link to Miranda on her show. Miranda talked a lot about a topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart, which is postpartum depression. Although I did suffer from postpartum depression, I only knew it in retrospect, which is pretty incredible considering my background in medicine. But it just goes to show you how when we're going through some struggle with our mental health, sometimes we can't be sort of insightful enough to analyze our own situation. And and sometimes it just really requires an outside voice. It's not even about maybe not being insightful. It's more about like, well, you know, it's not me. It must just be this. Oh, it must just be this. Oh, yes. And it's hard to look past the, well, I've got two kids and I'm tired. Or, you know, the baby woke up seven times last night. Of course I feel this way. But then you look at someone else and you're like, no, honey, this is more than that. But for some reason, we can't do that for ourselves. Yeah, I think when I first started sort of surrendering to the idea that I had a propensity to clinical depression was when I read an article on one of my favorite blogs called Cup of Joe. I love Cup of Joe. (laughs) You do? Oh, I do too. It's one of my old favorites. I love it so much. So I'm going to link to Cup of Joe too, because if you guys aren't reading that blog, you've got to start. And at some point, I'm hoping Joanna Goddard will come on my show. But anyway, Joanna Goddard is the founder of Cup of Joe. There are a lot of different contributors now. Do you remember reading her article about the depression that she went through when she weaned her son, but she didn't realize it was associated with the hormones of weaning? No, I'm newer to her. I have lots to go back on. You have to dig back. So I'll put a link to that article in the show notes. It's so, so good. And then that article actually sort of got me thinking. And what one of the things that she says in there is she thought, okay, my marriage is in trouble. Oh, I'm a terrible mother. Oh, I'm a this, I'm a that. My friends would never want to be with me, blah, blah, blah. She kept trying to identify causes for her depression. But what she finally realized is that the, the depression is the cause of the depression. And that if you identify individual areas of your life and try to assign the blame to how you're feeling on those individual areas, not only is it not going to work, but it's putting a lot of pressure on the other relationships that you have in your life. So tell me how your postpartum depression showed itself when you realized it and what you were able to do to get through that time. I am basically chronically depressed. I take Lexapro. I do therapy. I absolutely love therapy. Everyone should go to therapy. And a lot of other tips, tools, and tricks under my belt that I have to work on every single day. So when we actually had our first baby, my husband and I were very afraid that postpartum depression would happen kind of no matter what. Mm, Okay. And it didn't. I mean, I had, you know, some of the baby blues. I had the exhaustion. I had all the normal things of bringing home a newborn. But 
it never got worse than that. So I felt like, oh, this is good. I wasn't on medication. I stopped doing therapy. I wasn't really doing any of the things because I thought everything was perfectly fine. Then you added baby number two. We call him Bam Bam. (laughs) He came in like a wrecking ball. But I was blindsided, basically, because I had it so bad with him. But it didn't occur to me, even for a second, that that's what was going on. Because why wouldn't have it happened the first time? And I've actually learned over discussing this and, and talking about my journey that so many mothers have it the second time or the third time. And so they, too, don't really know what to look for because, well, they didn't have it the first time. So why even worry about it now? So basically what happened, he was about six months old before me, my mom, my husband all realized something is not right. He is a terrible sleeper. So I probably didn't sleep more than an hour, maybe two at any given time. Oh my gosh. And we'll pass that. I mean, he's 19 months now and he still wakes up once a night most of the time. But when you're waking up every hour, every two hours, and then the time it takes to actually fall back to sleep. And you're just living like a zombie. So that's another reason it kind of doesn't occur to you because obviously sleep is like the root of all life. Like you have to have good (laughs) sleep. So I just kept pushing it off on like, guys, I just need to sleep. Like someone come over, let me take a nap. But it really started to weigh on me that he and I, we had zero connection. Stetson was a job that I was exhausted and didn't really want to do. Of course, I loved him. I thought he was adorable. I was happy that he completed our family. I loved him because I knew you loved your children. Does that make sense? Yes, you loved him because that was your role. But it sounds to me like your emotions were kind of deadened during that time. Absolutely. My emotions were deadened. I had no connection. It was just like, oh, another diaper, oh, another feeding. Like, dear God, can we just get past this point? And so I really didn't get to enjoy any of that squishy newborn phase. Another thing that really, really was hard on me, and I know someone out there is going to shake their head and go, yep, me too, is that I was the only person who could not put him to sleep. Oh, you're kidding. It was devastating because you already feel guilty that you don't have this connection that you know you're supposed to have. And now I can't put him to sleep. My mom puts him to sleep in a couple minutes. My husband is putting him to sleep in a couple minutes. And then they're telling me, well, you're really stressed out. So he can probably feel that. Okay, so it's my fault. It builds and it builds and it builds. And then when he's about six months, I started just absolutely flipping out on my children. Violet was three. She's four now. And I'm like rocking him for like an hour to try to get him to go to sleep. Imagine your three-year-old having to sit by herself while you're trying to put your baby to sleep because your husband's working. And then she would come in all happy-go-lucky because she's three. It would wake him up and I would flip out. Oh, yeah. And there would be screaming, and then the three of us would be crying, and then my husband came home one day, and I handed him the baby, and I left. I went to a coffee shop nearby. I called my sister. I was sobbing uncontrollably in a public place. (laughs) Let's just remember. Oh, you poor thing. (laughs) She was like, Miranda, everything you're feeling, let me just tell you, is normal, but you need to get help, and you need to get help now. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And I got back home. I started talking to my mom about what was going on. I started being more honest with my husband about what was going on. 
Okay, I'm going to interrupt this interview to tell you that Miranda and I had such an amazing conversation about depression and specifically postpartum depression, but very applicable to depression in general. I think it's an important conversation for people to hear if they are experiencing or have experienced depression, or if there's anyone in their life that they think might be experiencing depression or has experienced depression. But it was a little bit long for one episode, so next Thursday I'm going to put out a bonus episode that has the remainder of our conversation regarding depression. I really hope you come back next Thursday to hear it, and just to make sure that new episodes pop into your feed whenever they're available, make sure you hit the subscribe button. So now I want to get into some of the sillier stuff. Let's go through your rapid fire questions. I just, I find these so much fun. Okay. If you had 24 hours in your home alone with no pressing to do is what would you do? Sleep. Yes, me too. <laughs> and I would sleep, eat, eat and sit on the couch. <laughs> yes. Maybe some trash TV. I got to say my secret obsession is Jersey Shore family vacation. I love it. <laughs> okay. What was the worst job you ever had? I'm was in the service industry for like 10 years and it is awful. I'm just going to say all, all the places I worked in service industry were just terrible. Oh yeah. When you just have to act like the customer's always right and, and do everything you can to continue making them happy, even when they're unreasonable. Yes. And I, although I am totally a people pleaser, I do hit my limit. And this one time, this girl sent her food back three different times only because she was on the phone. And so she wanted it hot. And, you know, she was really super nice to me about it. So I was really super nice to her about it. And then she left me no tip. And I followed her out to the parking lot. (laughs) Really? I did. I was like, ma'am, you said I did a great job. You really gave me the runaround and you're not going to tip me. And she just kind of quickly got into her car. And then the phone rang immediately and my manager answered it. And all I heard her say was, well, you should have tipped her. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad your manager came on your side. She totally had my back. But then when she hung up, she was like, Miranda, don't you ever do that again. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry. It's been a really rough day. (laughs) I had to reheat her food three times. That's so ridiculous. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And it's not reheat. We have to get you three brand new meals. Uh Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) it is what it is. That lady needs to be blackballed from that establishment. (laughs) Okay. What's your strangest family tradition? We sing happy birthday, like psychos. (laughs) Everybody sings at a different pace, at a different tone, at a different pitch. And we somehow all come together at the end, (laughs) but it sounds ridiculous, but it's the best. So whenever we invite new people over, I'm like, just wait. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. You warn them. That's nice. (laughs) Okay. What's the weirdest thing in your purse? Weirdest thing in my purse right now? Oh, God. I used to always win this question if it was on Facebook because I used to travel with a potty. But (laughs) now Violet's potty trained. So I think probably the weirdest thing in my purse right now is a pair of kids' socks. I always have kids' socks. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. One time I I helped my table win a purse scavenger hunt at Mops because I had underwear in my purse. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well, sometimes she goes potty in her panties. What can I say? (laughs) Do you name your cars? I did name my first car Tinkerbell. She was a a purple Honda Civic. 
She mostly didn't work, but I bought her all by myself by working two summers, 13 and 14. Wow. And I paid for her completely on my own. And that was the only name I ever gave a car. Tinkerbell was my pride and joy. I used to live on Tinkerbell Road. Aw, see, we're soulmates. <laughs> yeah. And then I named my first cat Tinkerbell. Aw, I love it. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> what was your first live concert? Oh, gosh. Hanson. I was eight years old. Hanson. <laughs> All the hair. <laughs> and they were so, I mean, the drummer, I think, was like my age. So I'm pretty sure they stopped and restarted a song a couple times because they kept messing up. Like they were children. <laughs> yeah. Wow. How interesting. They were brave children. <laughs> Well, as you know, the point of this podcast is to tell our listeners some of our not-so-fancy moments so that they feel less alone when theirs happen. So what do you have for us today? I've just been such a mess for 31 years. I got stuck in a gate once. <laughs> oh my gosh. How? Well, tell me Tell me more. <laughs> so, okay. My mom, when I was maybe 19, somewhere around there, I lived with my mom in an apartment that was over the office of a storage place because she was the manager of the storage place. So when you work there, it comes with an apartment. Okay. The gates are these big gates. So you can't just get in and steal people's stuff from storage units, right? Yeah. So (laughs) I didn't have the keys to go through the office to get out the front door. So the only way to get out was to go through the big motorized gate. And my boyfriend, who's now my husband, so he still loves me. It's fine. (laughs) He ended up climbing over, trying to be the gentleman that he was to open the gate for me, my best friend and her boyfriend at the time, because we were going to go to a haunted house. And he did the code over and over and it didn't work. And so I yelled, all right, I'm just going to come over and I'm going to do it. Well, he didn't hear me. So... I had one leg on either side when he did the code again, and it started to open. (laughs) So if you can picture as the gate is opening, it's crossing with the gate part that stays still, right? Okay. I was wondering if it was one of those that hinged up or if it just kind of rolled to the side. Rolled to the side. So my knee got caught between what was rolling and what was stationary. Oh my gosh. My knee got stuck. And then at the bottom, my ankle was stuck, but my foot was being pushed to the side. So the fact that I ended up with no broken bones is actually crazy. At this point, it's like kind of bouncing because it's trying to open. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm picturing right now? I am picturing a mechanical bull is what I am picturing. (laughs) (laughs) So my friend has the bright idea to call my mom who at this point is on Maui so like what oh. she do? <laughs> so I'm like screaming and crying but I'm also saying why would you call her <laughs> like, what? she was visiting because my sister was on Maui so my husband ends up having to call the police so we have police we have firefighters and we have EMS all there to take <laughs> of little old me and instead of cutting the chain just to get it to stop they have like four firefighters pulling the gate to try to make enough space to pull my leg out 
Oh my gosh. So they get my knee out, but they didn't notice my ankle was still stuck. So they almost mm. let go. And I screamed, don't let go, because it, it would have just slammed right into my ankle. Oh, I don't know if this is funny or if this is like devastating. I can't tell, but this <laughs> I'm so is sorry this happened to you. <laughs> okay, so at the moment, at the moment, you did not think it was funny. <laughs> no, I was crying and then I was also embarrassed because of how many people it took to save me. <sighs> so I had this really deep indent in my knee. Thankfully, it was like under my kneecap because that could have been a problem. And then my thighs were all covered in huge bruises for weeks. And for years, years, people would be like, yeah, so what happened at that gate? And they would just bring it up randomly. (laughs) I was like, shut up about the gate. But (laughs) at least they know not to climb over electric fences. (laughs) Do you remember what started shooting through your mind the moment the gate started moving? Uh, I mean, you, you said I can't curse so (laughs) okay well that gives me a good idea of what (laughs) you and your mom lived in the apartment above this storage facility and you were trying to exit to go to a halloween party did you not go to the party no we no we went nowhere after that Uh, (laughs) that was plenty of scary festivities for one halloween night i think yes did the company that owned the facility ever find out about it no dear god no So no, and I refused the EMS and I sent everyone away because I was like afraid. I was so afraid to get in trouble. Yes, just get out of here, everybody. I'm fine. And you're walking like your legs are noodles. I'm just fine. (laughs) Yeah, my boyfriend slash husband ended up pretty much carrying me back up the stairs and brought me into the bathroom to like really check. He did not find this funny. He was so worried. I bet. He probably blamed himself. He felt so bad. Yes. And then I blamed him for years just to keep it going. Right, right. (laughs) You know what I'm going to do when I make the audiogram for this show? I'm going to find a picture of a mechanical bull. (laughs) I just do. I can't help it. (laughs) It's not nearly as fun as a bull. (laughs) (laughs) But perhaps if you'd practiced a little bit. No. (laughs) Exactly. That, that was my that's my problem. I didn't practice on a mechanical bull. Exactly. And you didn't get bucked off. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Okay, tell me about the time that you tried to be sexy for your husband and he pointed out something that you did not oh my expect. God. Okay, so sexy is not something I've ever been and I will never be. I can be cute. I can be funny. I can be witty. Those are the things that I can be. So... When we were younger, I bought some lingerie and I was trying to be a little sexy. I was trying to go outside my silly mold and he was laughing and I was like, why are you laughing at me? I'm trying a new thing here. And he pointed out that my song was on wrong. (laughs) Whoops. <laughs> You're like, my thing's not going to feel comfortable no matter how I put it on. So I didn't know. Can you do it wrong? It was all the same size, like on all sides. Exactly. I don't know. Okay. It's just straps. I'm not going to be wrong. I don't care who you are. I don't care. They are uncomfortable. You can all stop lying. I do the boy shorts or the granny panties for life. Not even afraid to say it. 
<laughs> yeah, and especially now that they have the boy shorts that have the laser cut edges, there's no panty lines. Why would the only reason I wear thongs or wore thongs? I do still wear them sometimes. The only reason is to avoid panty lines. And then as soon as I'm done with my public consumption in my outfits for the day, I'm like the thongs coming off, the bras coming off, the cozy clothes are going on. That is that. Yes. I'm not sure who decided we needed to be super uncomfortable in order to not have panty lines because I know when you walk down the street, everybody is checking for panty lines. So. <laughs> yeah. <what's, laughs> why are we so obsessed with, yeah, avoiding panty lines? Everybody who invented all of these things were men. Yeah, I'm afraid so. I'm afraid you're right about that. The stuff for periods now is so great compared to when I was a kid. And I think I'm like 15 years older than you. So all we had were tampons and pads. I mean, our moms had it even worse, right? I mean, my <laughs> my oldest sister-in-law goes, well, Joanne, at least you didn't have to wear the belt. I had to yes! strap my pad on with a belt. Now... <laughs> Now there are so many amazing products because women started getting into designing stuff for periods. And now, now we're talking, now we're getting somewhere. I just started trying my new, my first little menstrual cup. And I got to say, ladies, it's kind of disgusting when you do it at first, but (laughs) it's pretty awesome when you get used to it. I learned about menstrual cups on Cup of Joe. And the reason I did is because she said she put this post on about carrying a tampon to a bathroom in a restaurant and trying to hide it. And then she was like, wait, half of the entire population of the earth menstruates or will menstruate or has menstruated. Why are we hiding our tampon? And so many of her listeners commented back, sister, try the menstrual cup. Why are you still using tampons? Yes, I finally did it. And I got like, Okay, so this might be a funny story too. First time I had to have my husband help me get it out because I thought it was lost. (laughs) I'm saying, okay, there was nothing sexy about this. This was Uh like panic. I thought it was gone forever. So (laughs) it turns out, ladies, I did some research. It turns out that it cannot get lost. It is impossible. (laughs) So (laughs) yes, it's in there, believe me. So I'm a family physician, and I did a lot of first-time paps because I was practicing medicine during the era where we thought every girl over the age of 18 needed to have a pap smear no matter what she was doing in her life. And so I did a lot of first-time pap smears on nervous girls. And I would always tell my patients, I'm a really good first time because I'm young. I remember very vividly my first time. I have retrieved many a lost vaginal item (laughs) as a physician. Oh my God. Yes. I love that your husband helped you find it. That's so awesome. Cause I think probably at your age, I would have been like, oh heck no, I'm not going <laughs> to. But now I would have been like, hey, Scott, get in here. See what you can find. We call that a deep sea dive. At first, he looks at me like, oh yeah, I'll help you. And I'm like, this is not the time. I am terrified. <laughs> yes. Please. Maybe tomorrow. Don't even mention it again for 24 straight hours. Then. <laughs> that I learned that I needed a different size and then it was way more comfortable you can totally wear it for 12 hours which is insane and this is gross and I'm sorry for those who get grossed out easily but there's something (laughs) extremely oddly satisfying about pouring out a full one I don't know why well it's like look at that look at all that stuff that came out and it was well contained and now I'm dealing with it on my own terms exactly <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's right. You know, you should go try it because you know, 
Miranda had to get her husband to fish it out the first time, and now she's a pro. <laughs> yes, yes. I love it. <laughs> okay, let's talk about how our bodies betray us when we're pregnant. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, I forgot I put that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to tell you that this issue has not gone away post-children. Oh, geez. So when I was like getting pretty big, you know, you're in that like seven, eight month mark where you're just Saturn trying to get through life. <laughs> and I could not, no, 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 no. I, it's not that I couldn't control. It's that I had no idea that I was going to fart until I did. Yes. Oh my gosh. You're right. That's exactly the perfect description. It's not like, here it comes. I can't hold it in. No, it's yeah. like, where did that come from? <laughs> Yes, I would surprise myself. My husband would crack up because he would see it on my face. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) And this happened at seven or eight months pregnant in the checkout aisle at HEB. If you don't live in Texas, HEB is the most amazing grocery store in the world. But it's always really busy. And it was really loud. And I got red and I mean, thank God I was pregnant because people are so nice to pregnant people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, and there was all like loving smiles, like it's okay. (laughs) But I was (laughs) and even now to this day, post two children, and I believe that it's like my penance because I had two emergency C sections. So I can jump, I can cough, I can sneeze, I can laugh, and I don't pee. Okay, because if I go to a trampoline park with my kids, I have to be serious about emptying my bladder frequently. Yes, so I feel like this is the way the universe got me. Like, all right, you might not pee, but guess what? You're going to fart at any given moment, and it's just going to happen, and I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, here's what happened to me. I think maybe some of my listeners will remember hearing about this before. When I was pregnant, I used to surprise myself with auditory expulsions right as I was falling to sleep all the time. (laughs) And then then it would wake me up and then it would crack me up. (laughs) So my my husband's like, oh my gosh, it was so funny. We'd be falling to sleep and all of a sudden I'd hear it and then I'd hear you go. (laughs) Oh my, I can't believe. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. It reminds me of the interview that I did with Sydney Beer. She had this adorable story about how she knew her husband loved her because she was watching a movie with her husband and his whole family on the couch one night and she fell asleep and she farted and he took it. He was like, oh, excuse me. And she's like, it's love. It's love. I read that. I totally know who you're talking about. She's adorable. And you know what? She is getting ready to write a book. Or she's actually already written it. She hasn't done anything else with it because she has a million small children. But she is so cute. And her book, Miranda, it's about postpartum depression. Perfect. I need it. Love her. Yes, I follow her. I love her. I did a fundraiser for kids who had lunch debt at school. And Mm. she spread the word because I was like, Hey, you have so many followers and I just think you're awesome. Would you mind posting about this fundraiser? And she did like two or three times. Like she's such a sweet person too. Oh my gosh. She's so much fun to talk to. So super hilarious. She was so cute on the podcast. Her episode is episode 30 and it's called Sydney beer on how to know your boyfriend really loves you. (laughs) 
I love that. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. You're so hilarious. You need to start keeping a list. You need to be a recurring guest. I love your stories. Awesome. I, I, I love them. <laughs> It's time to talk about advice. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? The best piece of advice I've ever been given is motivation comes after you start. Oh. That really hit me because the biggest thing with depression is you don't want to do anything. And this was an old therapist that I had well before kids, well before marriage. And I just kept saying, like, why do I see other people just doing regular daily tasks and I just don't want to? And she's like, because you're expecting motivation to like knock you on the shoulder and say, hey, let's go do some dishes. She said, but motivation comes after you start because you feel instant gratification because you got something done and it makes you want to do something else. Oh, my gosh. I love it. It's so simple. I've never heard it. I love it. Okay, awesome. That's definitely going up on Instagram as well. That's a great one. What is one surprising thing about you that nobody would be able to tell just by looking? Well, I donated 60% of my liver to my mother in 2014. <gasps> wow, that's incredible. <laughs> what a gift. Oh my gosh. What an amazing reaction. I, I want to tell you things all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is awesome. Awesome, awesome. I have a niece who only has one kidney and so things like this are on my mind. She's doing fine because her other kidney is normal, but it just has kind of really gotten me to thinking. And I just had a guest that I interviewed yesterday talking about how she donated eggs when she was young. But anyway, oh my goodness, that's a huge surgery. You know, we hear all the time about donating kidneys, but you can donate a portion of your liver too and still have a perfectly functioning liver for yourself. Yeah. Have you had any medical repercussions from that? No, not at all. Your liver grows back. It's the only organ that regenerates. And so you have two lobes. You have a right lobe and a left lobe. My right lobe was given. And so the left lobe just grows to fill in the space. So you can only donate one because you are only left with the one lobe. Mine grew back 120%. So it's actually bigger than it was. Wow. I'd be like, oh, my belt. I can't tighten my belt quite as much. It's because of my new liver. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just asked the doctor if that meant I could like drink more alcohol. And he said no. And I was like, Sweet. so that means yes. And he's like, no. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I had the surgery in 2014. I got married in 2015. And then Violet was 2016. Wow. That is so awesome. Oh, how's your mom doing? She's doing great. She lives on her own now. She has her own house and that's about two hours away. And then she also has an RV that she has parked nearby the house that I live in so she can come back and forth and be with us whenever she wants. I mean, she used to not be able to drive on her own. She couldn't live on her own. Wow. Honestly, without the surgery, she would have never been at my wedding and she would have never mm -hmm. met my kids. My daughter, especially, and my mom are best friends. Just two peas in a pod. We call her tiny Tammy sometimes because she reminds me so much of my mom. That's why I did it because she got to meet my kids and that that's all that matters. Oh, I love it. Oh, wow. 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 That's so amazing. I feel so happy that you were a match because that's not a given, you know? Yeah, no, not at all. When she did live on Maui, because she had to live on Maui for a while because it was the only state at the time that did state insurance without pre-existing condition until Obamacare 
she had to live there in order to get treated. And they actually told me that you have to be taller or way more than the recipient in order to donate. So I was told no. And then it wasn't until a couple of years later when Obamacare happened, she was able to move back. And I was at the doctor with her and I asked the transplant coordinator, this is what I've heard. Is this true? And they were like, no, that's not true at all. And within two hours, I was in a room answering a questionnaire. And within, I believe it was a total of two months, I was on the table. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Okay. We're going to have to talk more about that. (laughs) Holy cow. Okay. You're just a wealth. Tell my listeners where they can find you. I am Mrs. Mediocre Mom on all platforms on Facebook. You can do facebook.com slash Mrs. Mediocre Mom blog. I do have a TikTok, but not a lot of TikToking going on. <laughs> but honestly, <laughs> Instagram, Pinterest, Mrs. Mediocre Mom.com is my website for my blog. My store is now open. I have my one product my journal is available if anybody is interested they're only ten dollars so they're awesome and yeah i mean type in mrs mediocre mom and you'll find me i promise okay that was really fun you guys i loved miranda i can't wait to have her back so she needs to hurry up and go out and have some more embarrassing moments thank you so much for listening to the fancy free podcast this week Make sure to check out the show notes for today's episode at fancyfreepodcast.com slash episode 74 so that you can find all the links that we discussed today. Next week on the show, we have Tony Dupree, who has some funny stories about her working in the etiquette space. Remember to subscribe to the show so new episodes pop into your feed each week and that you always know about the bonus episodes like the one we're going to do next Thursday where Miranda and I go really deep about depression. And you guys, we actually both admitted some things that were really scary to admit. So you'll be interested to hear that. If you have some not so fancy stories that you want to tell real quick, but you don't really want to be a guest on the show, you can always go to fancyfreepodcast.com, click the red button on the homepage and record a voice memo, send it in. I'll polish it up on my end and then you might be featured on the next episode. So fun. If you want more connection, laughter, and sharing, join us in the Fancy Free Facebook group. We're already working on our question of the week this week because this is a special midweek episode. The question of the week this week is, what was your first job? And we're having a lively discussion regarding first jobs. It's so fun. I would love it if you'd follow the Fancy Free podcast on Instagram and tell a friend about the show who you think might like getting some laughs, feeling connection, and realizing they're not alone. Have a wonderful week and remember, no one is as fancy as they look.